0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the I Training Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Jerry Adea from Nexus. When we originally scheduled this podcast, Jerry and I planned to talk about the history of Magento. He works for Nexus, which is a hosting company based out of Michigan, and they've been with Magento since day one. They were there when Magento were first getting off the ground and Nexus helped put some of the very first Magento customers onto servers that were optimized for the platform. So they have a wealth of stories and background knowledge from the history of Magento. But just a couple of days before the podcast was scheduled. The news dropped that Adobe had purchased Magento. And even for people that have been in the Magento community for years and years, it was a big surprise and people really don't know what's going to happen next. So we spend quite a bit of the podcast talking about the reaction to that news and speculate on what may come next. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the OS Training Podcast.
1: Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: So I emailed you a little while ago to invite you on the podcast and I had absolutely no idea what was about to happen this week. This week they announced the Adobe acquisition in Magento and so that pretty much solved (laughs) any lack of topics I might have to talk about with you. It's the biggest news in Magento for,
1: for years and years, right? Yeah, I think it's probably the biggest news ever. And it's been a long week for anybody in the Magento space. It's hard to believe we're already here on Friday, but every day has been packed with all sorts of new new content out on, on Twitter and, and YouTube and elsewhere.
0: So what's the reaction been like? You've got your finger on the pulse of the Magento community. Are people, are they nervous, they're excited, a mix of the two?
1: It's hard to tell right now. It's uh, mixed reactions. It's sort of going through the many stages of grief with a lot of folks but they don't really know. I mean, it's a lot of speculation. We're, we're seeing some promising things like folks from the developer community in the Adobe space that are speaking up and interacting with the Magento community, which is giving a lot of folks some reassurance, but it's still yet to see what's going to happen. The sale ha- isn't even final. The It was just the announcement this week and, and the sale is going to be in process probably through a big portion of this year. So it's
0: not as if there are too many previous examples of a project of this size going from being almost entirely open source i mean magenta has been owned by companies for for several years but being largely open source to being taken into such a enormous corporation as adobe it's almost as uh, as if a project like like drupal was a little more a little more corporate owned and could be taken under the umbrella of a company like adobe It's new waters. It's not as if there's too many comparisons to look to.
1: Uh, There are. I mean, in the e-commerce space, it's not uncommon for for an acquisition like this. It was pretty well known that Adobe has been on the market for an e-commerce platform for maybe five plus years now. And there were some other big acquisitions with Hybris being acquired by SAP and uh, Salesforce acquiring Demandware. But I couldn't tell you how sort of open source those other platforms were, those other e-commerce softwares were, compared to Magento. It's just Magento was was probably the most open source, if if that makes sense.
0: Oh, yeah, it definitely has a, an enormous community compared to some of those other products which are more corporate. I guess part of the the nervousness is that a lot of people, they get into a community like Magento because... They like the community feel of things. And there's a slight worry that the community feeling they were used to might get lost.
1: Yeah, there's a great deal of camaraderie within the community. We just came back from Imagine last month, maybe three, four weeks ago now. And every time we go to Imagine, you would assume half the people there are are good friends. And and they've known each other for for many years now. And, And it feels like you're coming to a family reunion every year.
0: So can you describe Imagine to people that haven't been there before? It's in Las Vegas every year, right?
1: Yeah, it's been there for probably as long as I've been going to Imagine, which is the last seven years now. And it's, you're right, it's in Las Vegas. And we sort of, we go there and and connect with merchants, connect with developers, and and really just learn more about the ecosystem, learn what's new in, in the Magento space for that year, we, we learn about all the new technologies that have entered the market, not only the developers, but all, all the different uh, extensions and, and cool new technologies that are looking to integrate with Magento or connect Magento with other platforms and all sorts of different services that can help improve the, the customer experience beyond just the, the single core license of Magento.
0: So you guys are deep inside the Magento community. You go to Imagine every year. You've got friends everywhere inside the Magento space. But Nexus has been around, what, nearly two decades now? You you guys were a hosting company before Magento was even a glint in anyone's eye?
1: Yeah, I think we started in 2000, and I think most folks couldn't explain to you what hosting was in, in 2000 let alone the internet. Uh, And we've been in the hosting space for a good 10 years before we, or close to 10 years before we even entered the Magento space. What does it
0: even mean to start a hosting company back in 2000? Is it a couple of kids with some servers in their bedroom or in their parents' basement? How did Nexus get started?
1: Yeah, so Nexus is your quintessential two guys in a garage type of operation, or at least that's how it started. It was started by our current and active CEO, the company Chris Wells. He's a University of Michigan alum. I think after he graduated University of Michigan, he started a company or, or towards the end of his uh, schooling, he started a company out of his garage in Southfield, Michigan. And essentially, the garage operation was a stack of servers or a rack or two of servers, maybe a T1 line and and an AC unit all within that, that garage. And just a couple of guys there 24 hours a day. Maintaining and managing the servers and making sure they don't go offline.
0: Oh, so you put the car in the driveway and turn the garage into a server farm?
1: <laughs> I would assume so, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, he sounds practically a senior member of the hosting community compared to some of the people that I've known who have started hosting companies back in those days. I seem to remember someone telling me a story of one of the big hosting conferences where quite a few of the founders of the biggest hosting companies couldn't get in because they were under 16. It was pretty much open season at that point. People sort of late 90s, 2000, starting companies that became pretty big from their garage, from their dorm room, from their basement. So how did Nexus manage to grow from a couple of kids
1: in the garage to, what, 130,
0: 140 plus people now?
1: It's a good question. So I came on board to the company in 2011. And prior to that, Nexus has been operating for, for 11 years as this small operation. We They had moved the, the servers out of the garage at some point and housed them in data centers uh, across the country, really, just because data centers weren't, weren't very common at the time. And then, in about 2006, that is when uh, Nexus and Chris Wells decided to purchase their their very first data center when they happened to find a open or vacant data center. I think is on Craigslist or eBay or, or something similar. Oh wait, at the time? Sorry.
0: There was an existing data center in Michigan or somewhere that they found on eBay?
1: Yep, right right here in Dearborn, <laughs> Michigan, right in the metro Detroit area. Uh-huh. And it wasn't a very big data center, but it had all the, the fixtures for a data center. And, and it made sense for uh, Chris to sort of move all the, the servers back from from wherever they were into the data center here in Dearborn, because it was just easier to maintain and manage. You, you didn't have to fly or drive to boot up a server or to repair any sort of hardware for clients, which you can only imagine how long downtime was when you had to fly across the country to fix a server.
0: Oh, so I'm no great big hosting expert, but from stories I've heard, it's the actual infrastructure, the the piping, the building, the water flow to the building. That's the tricky part of running a data center. The servers are comparatively easy compared to actually keeping those servers cool and safe
1: yeah so we we have probably equal sized teams but we are one of our, our most important teams here at nexus is our facilities team these are the guys that are maintaining and managing the building operations from the power to the hvac units and the sort of industrial hardware that help us to control both the, the energy and the climate for all of the data centers that we own and manage and and it's not an easy job and these guys are on the clock 24 hours a day just like our uh, support staff is that our our customers today interact with. So there is a large team of people behind the front end support folks that you don't get to see that are are really critical to maintaining and managing our, our services every day. And that's sort of unique to, to Nexus. We started from very small, and humble beginnings, but sort of built everything from the ground up. So anytime we expand as a company, we're sort of taking that approach, building it on our own from the ground up. And, and it's proven to be successful for us. It's not the easiest way of doing business, but uh, we, we firmly believe that it's the right way of doing things.
0: Okay, so most uh, hosting companies nowadays will host with Amazon, host with Google Cloud, or go to a massive data center owned by someone else. But you can still go to Michigan and knock on a brick warehouse somewhere, and that'll be Nexus's building with Nexus's servers run by Nexus's staff with Nexus's air conditioning right there. Is it part of an interest in keeping the, the jobs local and keeping the business local? Or is it more of a philosophy of actually doing things yourself and owning them yourself and being responsible for them yourself?
1: Good question. Uh, you're right. It is a little bit of both. I mean, we, we really take pride in, in the fact that, that we are a local Michigan company uh, right here in Southfield. We're proud that uh, a majority of the employees that are work for Nexus are live right here in Michigan. And uh, we do have remote employees, but they're all largely in the United States as well. About 90% of our staff is here in Michigan. The other 10% is down in Texas in Austin area. And uh, they fly up pretty frequently once a month, twice a month to be with our team and make sure that we're, we're always working together and collaborating.
0: So you're taking an almost deliberately old school approach. Everything is local, everything is centralized, people know each other, they meet face to face all the time. We're an entirely remote company here and most of the companies that I see getting started these days are entirely remote. You place a much greater value on people being local on being able to come to the office?
1: I don't know if it's it's a, a greater value on it, but we appreciate the level of collaboration and work that we're able to do together when we're in the same space. We do have many employees that, like I said, are are remote and we encourage folks that want to work remote to go ahead and do so. And, and we're always trying to attract good talent uh, even outside of the state of Michigan. And, and when we get that opportunity to work with somebody special that Typically, where they are working remote, whether it's here in the U.S. or we have uh, Miguel that's in uh, lives in Argentina and spends half his, his half his year in, in Europe and all elsewhere around the world.
0: Was there a tipping point of sorts? You were, I guess, a fairly standard hosting company, but in recent years you've been known as a Magento company or perhaps even the Magento hosting company. How did Nexus end up? moving from being a fairly generalized hosting company to being so deeply involved in Magento?
1: Great question. So when when I started at Nexus in 2011, Nexus had been in the Magento space for at least a couple of years now, maybe more than a couple of years. And we started working with a small company called Varian. There are about 15 employees out of Los Angeles. and And for those in the Magento space, no, they they know that Varian is essentially the company that founded Magento. They were a shop that was building merchant websites on OS Commerce. They felt like they could do it a little better than, than OS Commerce at the time, and, and they, they were building their own products, and, and that's what we know as, as Magento or Magento 1 at the time. And they happened to come across Nexus with uh, some mutual clients back in the early days and, and were really impressed with the level of support expertise and, and really the value that, that we we were able to deliver to their developers because they were they were php development guys they, they weren't server infrastructure sysadmin guys in the magento space there's a lot of gray area when it comes to performance and tuning and configurations but uh, uh the uh, the team was so impressed with the level of uh, support that we were able to deliver at the time. They had moved all of their clients that were running on OS Commerce over to Nexus and, and they started really developing and building out the Magento platform within our data center in Dearborn, Michigan. Oh,
0: so Magento started with uh, a web design agency. They wanted something for their customers. They didn't really know too much of this, uh, the server admin of things. They didn't know too much about product development. The Magento founding was almost kind of accidental. They needed something better than OS Commerce?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were very intentional about building a product that could compete with OS Commerce. They were just trying to find a better way to serve and and essentially how could they pivot from a service company or services company to a product company. And, And they were able to do that incredibly successfully, I would say.
0: Oh, so Nexus was hosting some of the very, very early Magento one sites. Yeah,
1: and uh, a lot of them were were really old Varian clients that were running on on OS Commerce at the time. There's there's nobody like that now. But uh, I remember when I started at Nexus in 2011 that there were still OS Commerce merchants who were Varian clients still still working on our or operating on our our servers. And Magento at that time had sort of started gaining this sort of fast track to success with uh, a lot of attention when, when eBay got involved and the community started growing as a whole.
0: So this isn't the first time that the Magento community has been through a, a big purchase like this. The first time out was eBay, which wanted to integrate it with PayPal, to integrate it with perhaps as, a, as, kind of a, as an e-commerce backend for eBay itself.
1: Yeah, I think eBay at the time just wanted to do e-commerce differently than their traditional eBay auction site, right? They knew they wanted to be in the e-commerce space, but couldn't do it on their own outside of what they've already developed successfully, but that they they could purchase a product like Magento, and, and that's what they did, I think it was 2010 or 2009, something like that.
0: So do you remember how the community reacted then Were people... Kind of a mix of excited and nervous about eBay swooping in or how did people feel?
1: I guess people were, were really unsure. It's not probably not that unsimilar to what we're seeing today. I guess the community was a little we were all sort of growing together, understanding things a little better together, both when it came to Magento, the community, the sort of impact the community itself had and understanding what that meant when eBay got involved and It was really difficult for anybody to sort of stand out in front of the pack and really dictate to the rest of the community. Here's what's going to happen when, when eBay buys. It. We had no idea that eBay was going to end up floundering with Magento for for several years before Magento decided to spin off onto its own separate company. And right around the same time, PayPal had had spun off into its own separate company. So it wasn't a very positive experience for a lot of people in the community. And And that's why I think everybody's a little jaded these days. That's why folks are, are are much more cautious on how to approach the new Adobe acquisition.
0: Yeah, the timing probably wasn't that good with the eBay purchase because the company itself was started to struggle around that time. They spun off other companies like PayPal. I mean, eBay had a great run, but by the time they purchased Magento, they were probably at least plateauing. It was a relief, perhaps, when eBay got rid of Magento again, or was that another kind of nervous time when a private equity company came in and took Magento back?
1: Again, a lot of unknown, but I think there was talks of sort of self-ownership, bringing it back to the community. Helping folks understand that the real value in the Magento space is the community. They're huge contributors to the actual core software, and they're one of the reasons why the platform was able to sustain through sort of acquisition and, and then a spin off, and maybe a couple of times over now.
0: Uh, yeah, am I right in thinking that Magento seems to have got a bit of a second wind since it was spun off, since it went private again? It seems to have been picking up speed again in the last couple of years. Magento 2 came out. I see more community events popping up. Is it fair to say that part of the nervousness might be that Magento had seemed to be doing really well?
1: Yeah. I think we were hitting a really good stride uh, in the Magento space, both us as a hosting company and, and the community as a whole since October of last year, and it really wasn't that long ago. That we were starting to see merchants exploring how to take their old Magento 1 site to the new Magento 2. We started seeing agencies again growing and taking on more and more projects every day. There was some time there where a great deal of uncertainty Merchants were sort of maintaining their their current client base and you weren't seeing a lot of new merchants coming into the Magento space, but uh probably last year is when we, we started or the second half of last year is when we started to see this sort of second breath or just rejuvenation in the Magento space that we hadn't seen for a long time. Again, we hit a pretty good stride starting in October and and through all of this year. And people were very positive about the current state of the Magento community and the, the platform itself. Not everything was perfect, but it was in a state that a majority of the community was very familiar with. And now with this new announcement It sort of kind of put everybody back or or surprised a lot of people that it was going to happen so soon.
0: If you spend enough time with any of these projects, you kind of see some ups and some downs and some lulls and then some accelerations. I guess we're kind of trained to think of software often as peaking and then dipping. And to some extent they do. I mean, a project like, to take example of Joomla may have peaked about seven or eight years ago. Drupal, maybe five or six years ago. Perhaps Magento has peaked but a lot of these projects still have an enormous shelf life to them and they can pick up speed again after 10 years or after 12 years. We had a guy from Concrete 5, if you remember that CMS, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he was saying the best year in his project was about the 13th year (laughs) when they released a new version and everyone suddenly felt a whole lot more positive about the thing. Magento is entering its second decade now. It's almost as if Almost like someone's career, these projects will have uptimes and downtimes and when they look like they're struggling, if they get the right leadership, they can really kick on again. And I've seen a lot of that in Magento in the last couple of years, been on a real upswing.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, You you can look at the um, Drupal space as another great example of this sort of rejuvenated community. The fun thing that I've noticed between just those two communities alone, Drupal and Magento, is the commitment and dedication that these companies that build on these platforms have for that application or, or that software. Drupal agencies will only build Drupal sites and they are 100% committed to, to that platform. Magento agencies may be diversified a little bit, but largely their business is reliant on uh, building sites on Magento. And that's both from the training to the actual builds or selling merchants on the successes they can have with Magento. And I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. And it's really one of the the secrets to to why these platforms have become so successful is just the commitment the companies and organizations outside of the the actual software application or the corporate organization have for that platform. could be Drupal, could be Magento. I've seen glimpses of it in other spaces like WordPress and uh, uh, some others, but uh, just the passion for what they're doing, what they're working with, and who they're working with is, is so evident and, and really hard to, to replicate.
0: You know what? Hearing you talk about that actually makes me understand some of the nervousness around the Adobe purchase more. When you have a leadership of the project which is Almost entirely staking their their company or their their careers on the success of Magento, then you feel pretty confident that things are going to be focused and on the right track. It's when a project disappears inside the belly of a company like eBay or Adobe, when it may be the third or fifth or or tenth level priority, and I think the more people talk about, say, a sale of Acquia on the Drupal side, uh-huh. people get a little nervous, hey, say, Acquia gets purchased by IBM or Amazon or a company like that. Mm-hmm. They start to think,
1: hmm,
0: you have all these people who are so dedicated to the success of the project and the company, like a company like Acquia is so focused on the success of Drupal. Is that going to continue when you move inside a bigger company which has multiple different priorities?
1: Yeah, we—that's we, yet to be seen, right? And that's that's kind of what we're we're standing by, and and, and we're I guess we're going to see something happen in the next uh, twelve months or so, but we don't know what those changes will be. I can't imagine anything will happen any sooner because they're they're still going through completing the acquisition and the sale, probably for for a big portion of this year. But then how does that change the dynamics of the community? How does that change the organization of the events that happen internationally? And what does that mean to everyone that really thrives and and works in the Magento space?
0: Yeah, I hadn't noticed it before, but there was a Magento association now.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's always been there. I think it's it's gained some new backing by Magento uh, themselves. But the Magento Association has sort of been this separate entity that's been responsible for helping to coordinate and organize uh, a lot of these global events that you can find from uh, South America to the North America, to Europe, to Asia, to Australia, and and, and so forth. So what
0: are you telling customers? Are you saying that you're not quite sure what's going to happen. It's a you're telling them that you're confident in the in the way Adobe is going to to handle the Magento acquisition. How how do you deal with people that are running Magento sites and uh, turning to you for answers on what's going to happen next?
1: I uh, tell you the truth, uh, we we try and steer clear of conversations like this outside okay. of uh, podcasts like this or any sort of articles that that we might publish. But uh, when we're we're talking with merchants one on one. Uh, about the, the future of Magento, we we try and uh, help them understand that uh, Nexus has been one of the more solid companies in the Magento space, one of the more stable companies in the space. We're still committed to our clients and contributing back to the Magento community. And it's our, our goal to, to really see a lot of these merchants through this maybe perceived volatility, although nothing's really happened other than an announcement. But they can rest assured that they, there's at least one company, their hosting provider, the sort of foundation to their business, that is committed to them and, and committed to the platform as, as long as it, it exists. So how much of your business is Magento at the moment? I'd say about 60% of our business is uh, Magento and 40% with some other applications and, and co-location and, and some of the other things. So it is a large chunk of what we do. So you're 60% Magento. What other platforms are you hosting on Nexus's servers? Are you seeing
0: growth in any other platforms?
1: Yeah, so our focus has always been on Magento for many years. But what we've learned is that we can take a lot of the same or similar types of infrastructure configuration and management and support for, that we've developed in the Magento space and apply that to a lot of the other PHP open source applications out there. We've gotten involved in the WordPress space, because you just can't avoid it at this point. Uh, we've, I think, we've been involved in Magent, or in WordPress since 2012, but uh, uh, it's always been a part of our business even prior to us formalizing a, a WordPress package. We also work with very closely with other platforms like uh, Woo, again, WordPress, and Expression Engine. We've we've built a, a great relationship with the folks there the early developers of, of Expression Engine. And again, it's it's the same approach. We want to be able to take a lot of the things that we've done for the Magento community and in the Magento community and apply that to some other communities. I've been making a push for for our company to to get involved, formally get involved into the Drupal space because we have a lot of experience again. And we have a lot of clients that are running on, on our, our Magento hosting packages that are running Drupal and, and other other things that seem to benefit in terms of performance, PCI compliance, and just again, offer that, that stability that, that can be hard to, to find.
0: Yeah, there was a big push on the Drupal side in the last couple of years to partner with Magento. I've seen some of the Acquia and Drupal people at Magento events mm-hmm. and some yeah. Magento people at Drupal events. I think they had a formal partnership with Acquia. Makes sense. They have a similar customer base, I think, in terms of a slightly mid-market to larger market. And some of the e-commerce solutions for Drupal 8 weren't that good. And so people increasingly started looking at Magento if they wanted an e-commerce solution to work with Drupal.
1: Yeah, I think Magento's are uh, pretty well focused on the, the retail space and, and now the... Uh, some different industrial uh, type of spaces or, or industrial companies like with their focus on on B2B. But uh, I've always gotten the impression that the uh, Drupal uh, space has been for maybe government or academic or nonprofit or, or maybe a lot of these other markets that, that Magento has never gotten a chance to, to really touch.
0: Yeah, they've definitely been a little less e-commerce focused. I mean, Magento a e-commerce specific platform. And yeah, they're talking increasingly more about data and user experience mm-hmm. and buzzwords like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Well, cool. Uh, thank you so much, Joe. It's been a crazy week for you, I'm sure, after sort of community-shadowing news about the Adobe purchase this week.
1: Yeah, lots of lots of great content out there, though. I encourage you guys to follow the any sort of Magento hashtags on Twitter, and you'll notice a pattern of some prominent folks speaking up and, and having some great conversations. I encourage you to follow anybody in the Magento space who is... One of the more vocal ones in the community. And you'll find a lot of good content on YouTube and, and elsewhere.
0: So where would people follow you and uh, follow Nexus to keep in touch with your Magento news?
1: Pretty straightforward. It's uh, at Nexus, N-E-X-C-E-S-S, if you want to follow Nexus. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, happy to, to add you to my group of followers. Mine is at Ibn Wadia I-B-N-W-A-D-I-E. Wonderful. Thanks, Jerry.
0: I'll drop some links to those in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks for the time today.